Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the show today. My name is Brian Hansen, And I'm Brian Solomon. And we're going to be talking about a topic that's really near and dear to uh, to a lot of people's hearts and really was uh, transformative in the life of our nation and around the world. And that is the topic of 9-11 that was so instrumental in uh, so many things that have taken place in our nation and that really has impacted our lives. Today, we're going to be looking at three different segments, and it is going to be a view of the world, your place in the world, and then what in the world. Let's start out with a view of the world. All right, so taking a look at 9-11, and, and that's obviously our, our main topic for our show today in this segment of, of uh, a view of the world. Uh, we want to just talk about this question, where were you on 9-11, and how did the, the events of that day impact you, your life, your ministry, the interaction you had with people? What kind of impact did that have on you, Brian? Yeah, you, you know, I remember it. There, there are a few things in your life that you remember like it was yesterday, right? And this is one of those, those times. I was, uh, I was a youth pastor in Columbus, Ohio, and I remember sitting at my desk in my office and just looking out the window, and uh, you know, I, it, it was a, it was a nice day, and and uh, all of a sudden the phone rings, and it's our, our senior pastor, Pastor uh, George Hattonfield. It was his wife, and she said, "Hey, are you taking a look at the news? Uh, you better go turn on the the television." And so we, uh, we. Uh, ran downstairs, uh, all of our staff, and we turned on the TV. And of course, it was on every channel. And it was the first tower was uh, was burning. It was just an inferno. And uh, I just remember sitting there thinking, "What is going on?" And and really, I I was angry. I was sad. I was I was numb. You know, I didn't know how to it process was shocking. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And and then I I remember the uh, the 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 guy on on the TV that was talking about uh, you know the, the the tower on fire and stuff I remember he was facing the TV with the towers behind him when the second plane ran into the other other tower and I was like hey another plane hit and and I remember somebody even on our our staff was like no that couldn't happen I was like well it sure did happen <laughs> and if I was numb before I was even more numb <laughs> after that it was just it was it was really life changing for me yeah. Where were well, you? Well, uh, my wife, Naomi, and I, we uh, we had only been married for uh, two or three months at that point, and uh, we were living in Cedarville, Ohio, your hometown. Yeah. Uh, Naomi was a student there, and and uh, it was a beautiful September day uh, for those of us in the Midwest and in the Northeast. I mean, it was just a cloudless blue sky day. It was awesome until, uh, obviously, the, the, the first plane struck the first tower. And so when we think about uh, 9-11, it's not just the two towers that were struck, but a plane that, that uh, was intentionally crashed into the, into the U.S. Pentagon, and then the plane that was hijacked and then, and then taken back by the passengers and then crashed in the field in Pennsylvania. Um, but, but Naomi and I, we were um, enjoying a slow morning, and Naomi was first out into our uh, apartment living room, and she says, hey, Brian, you got to come see the news. And, 
And uh, at that point, only one plane had, had uh, hit the, the uh, first tower in the World Trade Center. And I came out to the living room just in time to see the second plane hit. And then everything changed for me. Uh, I, I worked for FedEx out of the Vandalia, Ohio station. And our hub of operation there was right next to the airport. And so as soon as uh, those planes struck the towers and crashed into the Pentagon and uh, basically all air travel and air transport was shut down immediately. And so that meant that I, I didn't have a job to go to for about a week. And uh, boy, I, I tell you, that was a sobering, sobering day. And like you, man, I remember it like it was it was just yesterday. So uh, when we think about a view of the world, that's that's what happened all those years ago. And as the anniversary of 9-11 rolls around the, the corner, we want to think more intently about just what happened. But we want to consider uh, also your place in the world. So thinking about uh, the, the, the texture of the conversations that I had with folks coming out of 9-11, uh, certainly they had a, uh, had a more redemptive or biblical texture to them. Uh, folks were, were wondering, where is God in all of this? And uh, what is God up to? And, and, and am I in right step with God? And, and am, I, am I thinking about God and religion and, and, and all the right ways? Or, or, am, I, uh, or am I not? Am, am I confused? And, and there were all sorts of, of things that people were thinking and feeling as it relates to God in those days. And I, I remember a conversation I had with a woman at FedEx, uh, one of the first days back to work when the airports and transit and all of those sorts of things began to reopen. And this older woman that I worked with, you know, I was prob- I was in, I was 25 years old, uh, excuse me, 26 years old. So I was a, a young guy and, uh, and this older woman, she's probably in her mid-50s. And boy, the older I get, boy, the mid-50s seem a whole lot closer. <laughs> but uh, but this uh, this woman was just distraught. And in her faith tradition, she had always been taught that, that if somebody committed suicide, that was an unforgivable sin, and it was the fastest way to assure yourself a place in Well, because in people hell. were jumping out of buildings, and, right? That's right. Yeah. And so she's watching the, the news and... And, uh, and, and, and what an awful reality that you have these two towers in New York City burning and there was no escape. And so yeah. the only way to escape the flames was to throw yourself out of the building. And I remember having this conversation with this woman and, and she was distraught that all of those people were going to go to hell. And, and walking her through what the Bible has to say about sin and forgiveness, mm. the gospel— and assuring her that the only unforgivable sin that the Bible talks about is the sin of unbelief. Hmm. And that for all of us, each one of us, have to come to grips with what do we do with a person of Jesus Christ? And do I place my faith in him as the Savior of the world, the one who bore my sins on the cross and died, was buried, and three days later and just triumphant... Um, uh, overcoming the, the the grave and 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 sin demonstrated that he is and was indeed the the Messiah, the Son of God, the Redeemer of the world, and helping her understand the hope that all of us can ha- have when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, and uh, that that changed the kinds of conversations that I had with people in the workplace mm-hmm. in my mid twenties. 
And I wasn't in full-time vocational ministry at that point, but it, it certainly did press, press in and, and bring home the fact that all of us need to be ready, at least all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, need to be ready to articulate the hope of Christ whenever uh, those opportunities come. A- absolutely, Brian. And w- one of the things that happened at this point in time was there was this collision of worldviews. Of of religious worldviews that was taking place, and and uh, most people at that time had heard about Islam and and uh, the the religion of it, but nobody really knew, at least on, right. on this side of the pond, what that really was, because most people in America at that time, and even still today, uh, would would cast themselves in the in the pond of Christianity of some of some sort. Um, they may have a, a confused view of Christianity, but nonetheless, that, that's where this this collision of worldviews came into play. And then we started hearing a lot of people talk about, well, you know, uh, be, because people were up in arms. They wanted to do something. They wanted action. And so uh, there became this concern about people from the Middle East, you know, and, and what, what would um, the American population start to do that's right uh, to to these other people in our part of our population but who have their roots from the Middle East so there began to be this debate about or uh, maybe not a debate but this conversation that was taking place about what is Islam and uh, I remember many people coming and saying well it's a very peaceful religion you know uh, they, they they're very caring well those the people may be caring but let's be clear. Islam itself was never caring. It was uh, it's it's always been a religion of the sword, and it's uh, you you uh, have to believe what we believe, or there's going to be a price to pay, or there's going to be a life to take, and that's always been the the case with that. But every religion on the face of the planet has always had some sort of works based. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what what's the word works based association for for uh, the mechanism of getting into heaven right that's right and so where where the worldviews cre- um, collide in this it, from from Christianity Christianity is not a works based religion it is a religion where a person is saved by faith uh, saved by grace through faith. It is not in and of yourselves. That's right. It's a gift of God, not of works, the Bible says, lest any man should boast. And so there was this there was this uh, this collision of the worldview that was taking place that really threw us all into a frenzy, and we're like, how do we deal with That's this? That's right. You know, one of the the quotes that I've I've uh, come across here recently, actually, our, our boss Ralph Drolinger uh, brought it to our attention. I don't know if it's original with him or not, but but it has stuck with me for a matter of months now. But uh, but I believe the quote goes something like this: uh, Right living begins with right thinking, and right thinking begins by thinking right about God. And when people think wrongly about God, that trickles down into how they think about everything else in their world. And of course, that has a has a, a devastating impact on how they live and conduct the affairs of their life. And so, if your worldview, if your religious worldview, is one of uh, appeasing God by means of violence or appeasing God by way of martyrdom, uh, if that's the only way that you can uh, assure yourself 
uh, of a place in heaven someday when you die, uh, that will have devastating impact on on the world in which we live. And when there are literally billions of people uh, or hundreds of millions of people on this planet who who ascribe to that uh, particular worldview, uh, that is going to have an impact for sure. And like you said, that collides with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that uh, that, that calls us to living with our neighbor quite differently. You know, yeah. and, and the scriptures, the, the Bible tells us that uh, that we are to love love God and love our neighbor as, as ourselves. Yeah. That's quite a bit different than uh, a message of conquest and and uh, and domination um, yeah. and so so that's yeah, in, in terms of uh, colliding worldviews September 11th 2001 certainly brought those things to the forefront and I think for our purposes here on this pro- podcast I don't think we're going to do a deep dive into uh, apologetics or arguments against Islam or, or whatever but just to highlight the the distinction and the consequences of what you believe about God will have a trickle-down effect in somewhere, not only in your life, but in society at, at large. You know, there's this, this misnomer, this lie of personal autonomy that, that what you think and how you behave only affects you. Mm. But the reality is that we, we're part of a society, we're part of a community, and every decision that I make has a positive or a negative impact on the community in which we live. And so collectively, you bring all of those worldviews to bear into this melting pot in which we live, uh, those, those vacuums don't exist. And, and, and what we have um, uh, in play, rather, are, are significant consequences to the, to the worldviews that we ascribe. Yeah, and, uh, and so one, one of the things that I find is that people have a very difficult time even Christians, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to Christians here, people have a very difficult time verbalizing what the gospel is. Uh, and, and one of the things that probably uh, the church has done a poor job in is defining the gospel because, uh, you know, in every message that's ever given, it seems that like uh, a pastor will typically say, and that's a part of the gospel, you know? That's right. And, and it's like, oh, that's a part of it. And, oh, that's a part, well, after a while, you say, well, what is the gospel? That's right. So, so let's make it clear. Here's the gospel. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, we have Adam and Eve in the garden, and we have uh, God who tells them, do whatever you do, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We know that they did, and there was consequences. That was the first sin that was ever committed. There was consequences to that sin. The biggest consequence was to Adam, and that was that, sin would be passed down through the seed of man. That's right. So that whenever anybody was born, they were born with a nature that was opposed to God. That's why it was the pinnacle moment in time that when Jesus was born, he was born of a virgin. That's right. And therefore, he did not have that nature, that sin nature that came down, that was passed down through Adam, through the seed of mankind. Therefore, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one good enough uh, to make it to heaven. But it says uh, then later in, in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. There's physical death, but there's certainly a spiritual death, and that puts you on a trajectory to hell. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but the free gift of God 
is Jesus Christ. It is it is eternal life through Jesus Christ, right. our Lord. And uh, Romans uh, ten is not quiet on this subject, where it says if if you believe in your heart that uh, God raised him from the dead uh, and and uh, confess, confess with your mouth, mouth uh, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Period. Period. And that is the defining matter. That's the gospel. That's the defining matter for every Christian who has to come to terms with uh, what have they done with God. It's not a it's not a religion based on works. But it is a re- religion. Uh, it's it's a it's a relationship with Jesus to say, "I know who I am. I'm a sinner before an Almighty God, and I submit to Your authority." That's a view of the world where the the religions collide. And so that takes us into our final segment of what in the world. And so, Brian, what in the world did you do for your Labor Day? Uh, weekend. Yeah. So I live in a little town. It's called Cedarville, Ohio, and it's located just in the south uh, southwest part of uh, the state. And we have something that is just very, um, uh, very unique. We have the founder of Labor Day that was born in Cedarville, Ohio. Uh, Senator Kyle was his name. And uh, he didn't. He wasn't raised in Cedarville, but we claim him as our own, and we just uh, we make a big deal out of him. And uh, in in Cedarville, we don't. <laughs> it's kind of funny. We don't make as big of a day uh, for July Fourth, but buddy, don't mess with uh, with Labor Day because it's coming <laughs> hard and furious. So we have you know we have a big pancake breakfast at the at the firehouse, and the whole community comes to it, and uh, and then we have a parade, and then um, uh, in the evening. We have a great big firework display. The whole town, and we have a, a university there, Cedarville University. So many of their students come to it. It's just a massive time, and we have a ball. It's just where the community comes together, and, and we just loved it. Yeah, that's that's great, man. So we we celebrated Labor Day up in West Liberty, Ohio, an even smaller town than Cedarville. Uh, three stoplights in the town, and my wife actually grew up there. My brother-in-law is uh, is the vice president of the Lions Club, and they have a, an annual uh, festival. They bring food trucks, and it's it's uh, it's a lot of food and rednecks up there, I and mean, we just have a ball. <laughs> it's it's great, and so we usually spend the weekend up there. But the noteworthy uh, thing about this Labor Day was uh, Sunday morning of the weekend, 5 a.m., I get a phone call from uh, from a guy that I know who attends a, a church. and uh, as, a, as a pastor, you never like to get those 5 a.m. phone you calls. You don't. You don't. Yeah. And so um, I wasn't planning on preaching, uh, but the, the guy at this church wasn't uh, connected to the church that I attend, said that their pastor got sick in the night and was unable to preach and wanted to know if I could come and fill in. Well, I've filled the pulpit there before, and most pastors have four or five six sermons kind of in their their hip pocket that if on the spur of the moment they need to pull something out, they, they can do that. Well, I've preached there so often that all of those hip pocket sermons <laughs> were all taken. And so, so 5 a.m., I get out of bed. Well, and truth be told, he said, hey, Brian, can you fill in? And, I, and uh, the first words out of my mouth were, um, uh, do you have somebody else that you could call? <laughs> 
shame on me, right? <laughs> and uh, and so I said, well, let me check with my wife. I'll call you right back. And so I, uh, the, the boss lady gave me the thumbs up, and and so I called him back and said, hey, I'll, I'm your guy. I'll, I'll do this. So I I got up. I scrambled out of bed. I got the pot, the, the pot of coffee started. And I uh, went to work, and I had about three hours to put something new together. And, uh, you know, pastors talk all the time about uh, the Saturday night special, you know, not, not preparing their sermon until Saturday night. Well, the only thing worse than a Saturday night special is a Sunday morning special. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, but, you know, uh, the big lesson in all of that is, is that uh, we got to be ready just as followers of Jesus, mm. be in God's word and, and the Lord was faithful. And so I, I had been in, in first Kings and in my reading of the Bible and my personal devotions and had been walking through first Kings, uh, 18, uh, the, the big, uh, contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Hey, there's a collision of worldview yeah, too, by the kidding. way. Uh, and then, and then first Kings 19, uh, Elijah's discouraged. He seemingly is the only one left. He goes off into the wilderness and he wants to die. Yeah, there's loneliness and depression, all of that. Boy, there's good stuff uh, tucked into First Kings in terms of your own personal devotions. And the lesson was, is that, you know what, when we're in God's Word, God's Word tends to leak out somewhere in our life. And, uh, and not many of us are going to get a 5 a.m. call to go fill the pulpit someplace, but uh, you might get that that uh, that seemingly random, uh, unforeseen question that shows up at the water cooler. Uh, how are you going to apply God's word there? Uh, what truth, gospel truth, is coming out in your personal devotions that that could have a an impact on that person that you just interacting with around that water cooler, around the the lunchroom uh, microwave, and uh, and how can you use God's word to encourage that person? Uh, that you're talking with. And so the, anyway, the, the big takeaway for me on Labor Day is hey, be ready. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, and as you're saying that, I, how many times have you had your, uh, have you been reading the Bible in the morning and all of a sudden, it, like like you say, at some point, something comes up where you can share what you've read because it's meant so much to you. You've internalized it, therefore you can and you can t- tell it to other people so That's that right. they can internalize it. That's too. right. But listen, uh, this has been a, a time just to reflect on what took place uh, so many years ago on 9-11, how it changed our country, and uh, just a good look at uh, the different worldviews that have come out of this. And uh, where is your hope? Your hope is in Jesus. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ to pl- place your faith in him. Nothing else can compare. That's right. This has been uh, the Lens Podcast and looking at 9-11. Glad you joined us today. Mm-hmm.